Being a skeptic is about not taking anything at face value. To be a skeptic is to question, to seek answers, and to struggle with the human experience of not knowing certain things. Being a disciple is about digging deep into the teachings of Jesus and progressing in both understanding and practice and eventually to lead others in the way of Jesus. To be a disciple is to follow using our minds, but also our actions, and in doing so, also placing our faith in the good news of Jesus. Welcome to the Skeptic Disciple Podcast. Here we are again. Well, I guess the last episode was not about the length of one of the office episodes. <laughs> and yeah. probably not even like half as funny. I totally jinxed it, yeah. <laughs> but probably just as controversial as the office episode one. In a good way, right? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> and uh, Genesis chapter three is is a is a trippy thing. We have a talking snake. We have some trees. We have some humans being tempted by the snake that talks, and for some reason they don't run away from it. <laughs> they don't know snakes aren't supposed to talk. I don't know. Uh, but I like how chapter 3 begins. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. That's uh, like sly or crafty or... You know, what What gets me about this story is like, what... <laughs> I mean, besides the whole fact that we have a snake that is that is speaking, it starts a conversation with, with the woman... Right there's like a temptation to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is a tree that is in the middle of the garden. Interestingly, it's like in the very center of the place that they're supposed to take care of. Yeah. And they can't touch it, uh, or they'll die. Uh, but the serpent says to the woman, "You will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil." Like that's what he tempts her with. Like, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Which is interesting because they were created in God's image to begin with. So what was... What about that statement actually was tempting to her? Yeah, is it the fruit that they've never had? They want to taste it? Sure, okay. You didn't say, like, it tastes amazing. Like, you got to try it. Like, it wasn't that. Uh, it sounds like you will be like God knowing good and evil. And I think the Hebrew translation is very straightforward, like good and bad. You know, then you will be like God, knowing good and bad. I think but that's a weird, know, weird. Yeah, thing. if you don't know what good and evil are, why is suddenly knowing what they are tempting? I guess I just can't wrap my head around it. You know what? You know what? What's interesting about this statement is that the serpent is stating something about God, that God knows both good and evil. Yeah. And also that good and evil already exist. Right, correct. Or good and bad, right? It, it, it's like, it's almost like you can't have one without the other. Right. And in Genesis 1, you know, we have like chaos and then God creates order, creates beauty. 
and he calls it good. So like the chaos and all this other stuff is bad, obviously. Can I point out the irony that if the tree were not there, there would be no bad because like just having the tree there presents the option to be bad. That's that's true. And some people argue like this is about, you know, your uh, will, right? Your free will mm-hmm. to do and to make decisions, um, to use your brain to, to do that. I just want to like point out how crazy it is that we're taking this story seriously to begin with. Um, <laughs> like no disrespect, like I, like I I like I grew up learning this, like knowing the story, and as a kid, like I don't think I ever questioned it. Yeah, it's not till now that I'm like, this is a snake and it's talking, and the woman is not running away from it, which is weird. I I mean, I would have taken off running, but you know, whatever. Um, and then she starts having a conversation with the snake. You know, usually pastors will say like she stayed behind and she tried to reason with the, with the devil. Right. And, and this is something you shouldn't do because look what it leads to. Like once you start trying to use your brain against the devil, which is, which is weird because the serpent is not identified as a devil. Yeah. It's just uh, a snake. In the it's just it, like, just, just reading this, like the story. Like if I just started reading the Bible, chapter one, two, three, there's a snake. It's just a snake speaking to the to the to the woman, yeah. <laughs> and and then there's the the knowing good and evil. And some Hebrew commentators are like, well, this is the beginning of like the mixture of both good and evil in the world. At the beginning, God separates good and evil, right? Good, and then like He makes a division between those. Yeah, two. they have designations, right? Yes, and there's no and, gray. Is right, what you're saying. Yeah. Exactly. There is no there is no gray. Yeah. And so humankind, by taking the fruit of the knowledge of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, somehow bring back that chaos, that mixture of things is brought back because they take the fruit. OK, that's the one of the Hebrew views on this. But I think every story alludes to something or some reality that we all experience. And this one is interesting because God is pointed out as being the one that knows both good and evil. Humankind at this point apparently don't know the difference between good and evil. So that this is actually tempting to her and eventually to the man as well. And the fact that the fruit looks good to eat, that's just comes secondary to the whole situation. Are you are you are you leading us to your newfound belief that the story is not true i'm not saying it's not true but i'm also not saying that it is <laughs> uh, look so whether the, the, whether the story is true or not the story has value i agree it says something yeah. in the same way that you can read the psalms and say david wrote these things but if i say you know, the modern scholarship doesn't believe that David wrote, maybe maybe didn't write any of it. Does that change what the Psalms mean? Right. Yeah, it wouldn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. Um, and I, I didn't want to get into this, but, you know, here we are. Um, <laughs> a lot of these stories, like we said... Yeah, I guess we're looking at it from a perspective or from a, a point of view that these are not necessarily literal stories. 
but I'm also not saying that they don't say or speak some truth about the origin of humanity and our world and what's wrong with it. Okay. We can move forward. I just wanted to clear that part up. Here's okay, but here, but here's the other thing. Okay, I can I can say this is a literal story, and in the way that traditionally we we talk about it, this story is about how you should not disobey God. Yes. This is this is a story that is told uh, very often to children in an effort to teach them the the moral or the value of obeying their parents because their parents know what's good and what's bad and they have to then they're teaching them mm-hmm. and so you teach a child and we tell them not to do certain things because they're bad for them or because they're dangerous or in this case because if they do they'll die i think that's a very common experience between parents and children the difference the 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 thing about that though is the parents don't typically present the option for danger and no. then say don't do it but danger is always around, is it not? Correct. And so the opportunity to do something dangerous unwittingly is always there. But what I'm what I'm saying is God had the option to take away the the choice for danger. Oh, you're going a different route. You're saying like why did God even allow this to be a, an option? Yeah, why You're saying you're saying that God is good then why he, why would he even allow evil to be experienced by humankind i'm just saying like why make it a choice if he clearly didn't want them even taking that choice well that's something that the 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 story doesn't say it doesn't no like we can't even answer that question we don't know why and you know but he did he did put the tree there yes Yes, he in it he put the tree of uh, life and he put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He put both trees in the garden uh, based on chapter two. So I mean it, it's it is strange that in the Garden of Eden, Eden meaning pleasure, the Garden of Pleasure, at the very center of the Garden of Pleasure is a tree whose you know its very fruit can cause evil or bad and good to come back in essentially to create the chaos that this world was created out of god calls out of chaos he calls out of all of that he calls everything that we know and i say call because in genesis 1 he uses his, his words to create out of this chaos he creates beauty and order and life and goodness so he's essentially separating it from things and somehow in this garden of pleasure it's a perfect place in the center of it is essentially the key to unlock that division and bring back the chaos that was before creation Mm. i'm just saying we're reading something that was written so many thousands years ago and they could be using um symbols and 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 things to represent their reality, meaning that there is a God, that there is evil, and this is a story that explains why evil came back into the world, even though God was good and created something good. Yeah. 
and is not so much that God chose to bring back evil. I'm saying bring bring it back, or that you know he didn't choose our downfall. Our the downfall was chosen by humankind. Also, to add to that, um, I've had uh, Jewish classmates, and they're like, we don't even understand why you call this the fall. Why why would they not call it the fall? That they just read it differently. They don't understand it that way. How do they read it? They, they, this was a story about how they like ate of the knowledge of good and evil, and then good and evil were mixed again. This is why things are messed up in a way. But they don't necessarily see this as original sin. Yeah, that phrase gets used a lot by christians yeah Yeah, i think i think that's a christian perspective that's a christian uh theology and i'm not throwing that out the window either i'm just saying okay this is this is a story about how humankind chose something which god told them not to choose not to do and the temptation was they wanted to know both good and evil and the woman eats and then uh and then the man eats and this is again a story that is used to say hey you know (laughs) like sorry women like you know your kind sinned first and and dragged you know men down with you so Mm -hmm. do you see what i'm saying i do i'm i'm tackling a story that has problematic issues in it even when when viewed through the traditional like set of eyes yeah. The traditional Christian set of eyes, first, I think is too simplistic in its view of good and evil, that it was just us disobeying God. And yeah. second, it ends up being very sexist by saying, you know, like, this was your fault. Like, women are weak and they can't resist. And yeah, like, that's the relevant enough. part to take from the story, right? Right. Right. So yeah. I'm saying, you know, let's, let's look at it again. And. And how is this actually rel- uh, uh, relative to what's happening? I can't even speak. Um, you know what I mean? Like, it's how is it important to us now? And how does it relate to our reality? And I think this whole knowing good and evil is interesting. I think, um, and I think I was talking to this, about this to you earlier, about something that uh, Tim Mackey uh, talked about in in the creation story and in the story of the, the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil was that um, that he sees it as something symbolic in the sense that God knew from the very beginning the distinction between what's good and evil right. and that then humanity wanted to do the same and call good and evil on their on their terms and that the difference is that when we that we are like somehow flawed at doing that every time we we try to determine what good and evil is we always do it from our perspective what's good and evil to us to you to mm-hmm. me and what ends up happening is that we have different definitions of what's good and evil and if we really get to the core of it we end up realizing that we normally choose what's good for us not necessarily good for humanity or good for the planet or good for, you know, your workplace organization or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. We normally choose what's good for us. 
over what's good for other people and we define it that way i like that a lot and i think that's absolutely spot on i mean in that regard we also demonize a lot of things and a lot of people and groups and societies that are just simply different from ours because they're different and we say that's bad that's evil simply because they are not us or simply because we can't we don't understand it yeah and in doing so i mean we are sort of playing god i mean okay one example of it in u.s history is uh, you know slavery yeah like like in order for you to have slaves you have to somehow at some point in your mind believe that it is it's it's okay that it's that it's good that it's good and you know it was good for them it was good for people who owned plantations and made money and didn't you know it's cheap labor you just got to feed them it's good for you and when we define things as good and evil in our terms that's what happens and it doesn't have to be as as huge or as historical as slavery no yeah i get you it could be simple things little things that happen you know at work or between people and arguments um it's always us choosing what's good for us and i think that that's a fundamental human flaw even when we talk about issues of social justice or change for good we normally define good from our our point of view our terms without sometimes without realizing that what's good for us might actually be bad for someone else absolutely that's that's well said I, i would feel that every time we do that we continuously take another bite then from the fruit yeah, so it's it's a symbolic, uh, it's a symbol of what each of us are tempted to do all the time, which is to play God and say we know everything, and we know what's right for everyone, and we know what's evil for everybody. Um, and of course, then that begs the question: and when how then how do we do this? You know, are we just like flawed forever? Like, are we just like gonna continue doing this? And, you know, I think for the most part, yes, this is kind of what this is the human condition. And I think that people like Jesus show up on, you know, at times where uh, I don't know how to say it, but like he just he kind of shatters that in the sense that he's teaching us to be to be what humanity was intended to be, which is. Which is, like, there is, like, a higher level of, I don't want to say consciousness, but, like, he's thinking at a different level. Like, he's not thinking what's good for me versus what's, you know, what what I'm saying? Like, he's not defining good and evil on his terms. Like, he, he shows us how to live differently and challenges us to, to see good and evil outside of ourselves like it it not determined by my perspective and you know i think the point that most uh strongly points to that is is a moment at the garden when he's praying and he's asking god like you know if this cup can you know like if i could just not have to drink from this cup meaning if if i 
is there a different way to go about these things that doesn't require my suffering or doesn't require me, you know, doing what's Getting sacrificed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he does it anyway. Um, and I think that's, uh, I think that's telling of who he is. And, you know, from some of the New Testament writings and Paul saying that, you know, Adam was the first, you know, human and then Jesus was the second Adam was like in Jesus, God was restoring the image of God that Adam, the first human being had. And then because of this, this humans trying to define good and evil on their terms that they ended up you know, losing or 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 distorting that image of God that was in human in humanity to begin with. Yeah, I like that. So Adam was the first human, and Adam, the first humans messed up, and we all mess up continually. But in Jesus, God was recreating humanity in His image. And so, where do we go from there? Like, what do we do with the problem of good and evil? Because we still have this issue. And we look to Jesus, and then Jesus, you know, obviously is teaching his disciples how to do what he did, and then talks about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit will come and empower them to live out the gospel. Yeah. And how to essentially, by depending on what, on the Holy Spirit, that he would lead them to all truth. Perhaps this is God saying, I am present to teach you and help you see what is truly good and evil. But as long as you continue to try to define good and evil on your terms, like this is never going to change. What I like about that too is it gets this Genesis story and doesn't just make it this like incredibly old story on the origin of sin and this is why stuff sucks. It makes it more of this like living this is why this is why we still make things suck. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like this it's like this call to be self-aware and and realize that like every time we do this, every time we think on selfish terms, we are delighting in the fruit. We have to be really honest with ourselves and be like I like how this tastes. This is this is good for me. This is good to me. And I, I keep going back to it because I like it. Yeah, there's a um there's a there's definitely a sense of kind of self righteousness that I think we are all very attracted to. Like feeling like I did the right thing even though everyone was doing the wrong thing and we love doing that, yeah. And I and I stood up for this and like like it's church a lot too yeah it's it's a it's a good thing to want to do right yeah you know but it's very tempting for us to be like god in the sense that like to define it and be like i'm right and i'm good because it feels good and we somehow crave that i feel like like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like one of the worst examples of that is people within church. Um, and I say that, I say that because like when you're in church, 
you have a doctrine, you have a shared belief system, you have a Bible. And and you start to think, like, I own the truth. Like, you you can't argue me. Like, this is the way it is. And, and you're convinced of your belief, and it it shapes your world. And I find that a lot of a lot of the time it makes it can make empathy hard for a lot of Christians when trying to connect with people from outside of church. Yeah. Either, either socially or politically or or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think I think some some more traditional uh, Christians have an issue with the whole social justice uh, movement. They do. Uh, and yeah, unfortunately, I think part of it comes down uh, to that. And, and here's the thing: this is how messed up people are. Like, we can look at something like that and say, "Well, you know, it sounds like what you're trying to do is good," but then you have all these people who are very being very militant about it, and uh, and we don't like that, and no. we don't we don't want to be part of that. Um, which. You know, to a certain extent, I guess it's it's kind of understandable, especially if you're not like if you don't identify with the people who are fighting for justice. But also, it makes me think of Peter because Peter was such a hothead, you know. Yeah. Peter yeah. was like Peter cut the guy's ear off when they tried arresting Jesus, you know. Uh huh. Like, they would say the same thing about him. I think. Like, mm-hmm. we don't want to be a Christian. Look at you guys. You're so militant and like hot-headed and, you know. Yeah. Um, but Peter was not the perfect disciple. Like he was not the poster boy for Christianity at that point. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. It's um, it's Jesus, and Jesus is still teaching Peter. Like, hey man, like that's not how I do things. Like that's not how we do things. We do things differently. Yet we still get. <laughs> That's essentially just like that's not how we do it. We do it nonviolently. Just, just to be less vague, like okay, we're talking, we're really talking about the whole like Black Lives Matter movement, yeah. Um, sure, yes, and and yeah, I know what you're talking about. Like there are a lot of church members that want nothing to do with it because they turn on the news and they see, they they see the scandal because that's what news does, right? Like yeah. they they love the scandal of it, so yeah. they see the looting. And they see, they see like people looking angry and kind of trash and stuff, and they think that's what it's about. And I'm not about that. Like, all I see is that I don't associate myself with wanting to loot or or any of that because that's that's not Christian. And like, okay, like fine, I get that, but that shouldn't stop you from from taking that step towards empathy and being like, okay, I need to ask myself why they're doing that though. Why is this happening? What are they feeling? And how, how does this actually impact me or how, or how have I actually impacted any of this? You know, that part is rarely ever talked about. Of course. I was like, I was thinking about it this way. Like I was, I was talking to someone from the church and, and they're talking about how like, yeah, the church shouldn't be involved with with politics or social movements because we know the truth and and we're waiting on on Jesus Christ and we're waiting for like the the second outpouring of the Holy Spirit. 
which is a, a whole thing I don't need to get into, but um, a lot of church members believe that the Holy Spirit will come down heavy upon God's chosen people and we'll see signs and wonderful things. Anyway, they're like, yeah, we're, we just need to like pray and stay within the church and just really wait for this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, what if it's already happening and you don't even know? And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, yeah, you know, because I'm really, I've really been thinking about this. I'm like, this whole, this whole movement going on right now, granted, it, it's, it's crazy. Like, it's, it's messy, but there's, there's a real call for social justice there. Yeah. And, and they're protesting something real and they have a right to, and I'm sure in my heart that like God has heard the call and I know in my heart that like God, God does not like racism or injustice. Okay. I've already seen like calls for reform being made. Some that are pretty good. I don't need to get into detail about them. Right. Um, and I, I think to myself, man, it's unfortunate that we had to go through such an uproar just to like to get, get any, things any sense of justice, you know? Yeah. And it, it makes me think about like people in church and it's like how they're a lot of them are against it. Um, because, you, you know, I forgot where I was reading this, but I was reading that if you go to an African-American church, like. One of the books of the Bible they they really like associate mm. themselves with a lot is Exodus. Yeah, yeah. Because Exodus is the story of people coming out of slavery and God hearing their cry. Yeah. And stepping in, and basically being very, it's a very political story when you think about it because he's overthrowing an economy. Okay. Yeah. Like the yeah. slaves make up most of the economy in Egypt. Like the yeah. wealth of Egypt was built on the back of slaves. Of course. You know, the crazy thing is about that is that slave owners actually taught slaves those stories. Yes. It's ironic. It's insane. And that story and that story ends messy. It ends with a ton of people dead. Um, Anyway, I'm not saying that's cool, but but okay, here we have people in church. Seeing all these people on the streets demand justice and reform being made. And I'm, I'm asking myself, I'm asking them like, what makes you think God is not involved in that? What makes you think that like, maybe like, have you ever wondered if maybe some of this is a result of an outpouring of Holy spirit? And yeah, it got messy because humans are involved and that's to be expected. But what makes you think that like, maybe that's part of the outpouring and you're too busy in the church to actually realize that's what's going on. Uh, I think I think the church has a, an issue resisting anything that's popular. Well, here's the other thing. I think the church is also opposed to this because maybe sometimes they don't realize that they're so comfortable that they themselves are the Egyptians. And that's very. Uh these protests don't benefit them so they label them as bad and i i honestly think that's the danger when we don't realize we benefit off the egyptian economy that 
that we're totally compliant with like this this messed up system while we you know wait for the holy spirit i I think i think i think that's the theme of like blindness and and sight like you could read the same scriptures and be blind to what the holy spirit is speaking through them absolutely like like, you know why else would slave owners you know teach the slaves the story from which they began identifying with the book of exodus i think it's because they didn't even really see the connection themselves no they didn't i feel like we we do that all the time and even i think we expect the pouring of the holy spirit to to create this perfect uh a result but there's still we're still human beings acting by you know this influence and so i mean you can look at the history of the early church it was a mess like it it was crazy like but it was like because of the outpouring of the holy spirit and then you had like people like no these people are not jews they can't be christians and there was like this division and then you know the holy spirit sends um peter to go preach to a roman centurion and his family at his home and he's like you know like what is happening right now i don't understand this and (laughs) yeah paul and peter get an argument over you know peter not eating with gentiles only eating with the jews whenever he came to visit the gentile cities it's like it's messy it's gonna be messy it's it's not perfect (laughs) truly Um, and it's kind of like honestly it's kind of not to get not to make this episode all political or anything but it is kind of like a lot of a lot of christians a lot of us are kind of chanting like you know make make christianity great again you know and not realizing that it's always been really messy yeah it pretty much always has it always has been i think it's because it's human human nature to do that and just man i was just i was just thinking about it because we're not even too far that far away but like in the very next chapter of genesis like we have the first murder and Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, they have these two brothers, Cain and Abel. Cain kills Abel because he's, like, jealous of him or something. I don't know what happens, but he kills him. Yeah. Uh, and God says to Cain, what have you done? And then he says, listen. Right? It's interesting that he says, listen. Uh-huh. Your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. Yeah. Uh, I just want to say, like, that is that God like doing essentially what many of us are doing right now and saying, listen, an innocent man died That's good. or, yeah. or a man was killed on the street on the ground. And why don't you just listen? We just want you to listen. The blood cries out essentially like something happened that shouldn't have happened. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally see what you're saying. We just want you to listen. And and so, you know, chapter three, humankind, symbolically, from our conversation, decides we're going to choose what good and evil is on our terms. And the very next chapter, we have a man, Cain, who chooses what's good and evil for him and decides that's a good idea to kill his brother uh, Abel. From what I'm hearing, you're suggesting that. And then that's what happens this choice to define good and evil for ourselves in such a manner is what makes it difficult for us to listen. 
Yeah, I think it's what causes us to to murder each other. I mean, it, we don't even have to go that far. It's not that difficult of a thought or a concept. Like, we will say, okay, we can go to war because we define going to war as a good thing. Not yeah. And I, and I think most people are like, well, war is an ugly thing. Yes, but sometimes it's necessary, and sometimes we have to do it. Yeah, that, we can justify anything. That, but that right there is you choosing what is good and evil on your terms. Mm-hmm. You know that killing is is an ugly thing. You know that that it's a, it's an evil, and yet you determine that 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 it becomes a necessary evil. At that mm. point, you're deciding that that is actually a good thing to do. And it's so counter, like, cultural, counter-human almost to be like, no, I'm not going to do that because that's 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 evil. That's bad. But instead of doing that, we find it easier to say, no, we're going to do it because in the end, it means less loss for me whether less loss of life, less loss of money, economics, whatever you want to call it, resources, but you're still choosing to do something that you know is bad. Yeah, I would I would imagine there are a lot of people that would argue you argue with you on that because I mean, what I could get World War II and say, okay, um, I could say it's bad to retaliate against Hitler and the Axis powers, but had we not, uh, uh, I mean, I'm sure more people would have died. Um, look, look, I absolutely understand that argument because I'm also a human and I also have the need for self-preservation. But I think that if you disagree with that, with what I've said, then I think you would disagree even more with Jesus. Do you think Jesus would not have gone to war? That war? No. I don't think Jesus would ever I don't think Jesus would have ever advocated for any war. Man. Okay. But at the same time, I don't think Jesus even had that type of political power to deter or to stop wars from happening. Well, no, not no, not on Earth when he was here. Um, no, this but will I, lead, this, this will lead to more interesting conversations when we talk about um, biblical war with the, the Israelites. But we'll, we'll save that for another time. Right. No, but yeah, if you're saying yes, I I do believe that Jesus did not believe in believe in war, and very plain and simple. Peter tries to defend him. He says, no, that's not how we do things. Don't you know that I can call down a legion of angels to come down here and defend me if I wanted to, but I'm not gonna because that's not the way of the kingdom. He teaches his disciples, like, you don't do this. This is not how we do things. Now, I I understand that's also problematic because then we have this view of like this final judgment when God comes back and just like, yeah, I was going to bring that up (laughs) kills all of all of the evil people on earth. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And Uh that's, that's in revelation. And also in some parts where, where Jesus is talking about the end of times and the final judgment, which to be honest, judgment 
would be to make things right. Um, but at the same time, he's not saying you're because you're a Christian and because this is what I've you know talked about, then you then have permission to go and kill people and to execute them. Mm. I don't believe that that is Christian. I don't believe that that's what God intended for us to do to each other. Fair first, enough. Yeah. First of all, because we're like completely flawed in terms of choosing good and evil. And second of all, Jesus just plainly taught us not to do that. You don't use force. That's not the way of the kingdom. It is not your job. So then let me ask you this. What's the real lesson here with with this story of the tree of life? Is is the lesson because I want to I want to really sum it up. I often should we just stop labeling things as good or evil? Is that what you're saying? What I'm saying is that I should not trust my judgment about what is good and evil. What I need to do is look to the example that Jesus has left and look to the influence of the Holy Spirit whenever I come up to situations where I need to determine what's good and evil. I have to be aware of the fact that I will often want to choose what's good and evil on my terms, what's good for me. It's a selfish good, if I could if I could use that term. Uh-huh. What what Jesus I believe would would do or would have us or would teach us is to to do good and evil based on you know what 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 he taught and what what who God is which is why he teaches his disciples to to you know to pray may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven uh-huh. like we are called to enact God's will on earth as God's will is enacted in heaven that I think will sometimes round, run against what we we want to call good and evil. Yeah, because it's very easy, for example, for the oppressor to become the oppre- uh, the oppressed to become the oppressor. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. By saying like, no, we're doing this good thing and taking revenge because you did that to us and we have to get even. That is also not good. And it's hard to process in the moment if you're, like, enraged because, you know, someone's done something to you. And it sounds so counter human, natural, whatever you want to call it, because we we would naturally want to get even. We would naturally want to to get some sort of satisfaction by it. And I don't think that that's what Jesus is calling us to do. I think, yes, Jesus is, is, is... is on our side in a sense of like, yeah, you, there needs to be justice. There needs to be good on earth and this is evil and call it by its name, but also revenge is not for you to take. And so what point does calling for justice becomes calling for revenge? Do you know what I mean? And and the thing is, at what point, at what point does, does our anger go from, you know, protest to, do uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. And the, the truth of the matter is, the points you're now bringing up uh, take a really, take a really long time and in-depth discussion to go through. Because honestly, like the rest of the Bible is essentially about okay, 
how do we now really determine what's good? That's really what the rest of the Bible is, man. Like, yeah, it's, even it's even a, after, it's a it's a history. It's like four hundred years. It's like over four hundred years after after the story we're talking about. God has to be like, okay, maybe I gotta write it down. Like, don't kill people. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I think it's it's a record of humanity's inability to do what is right. It, yeah. It's just over and over and over again. And and don't steal. And don't screw each other's wives. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like he actually even... has to write that down. Like probably like oh man okay whatever I got to write it down I guess. <laughs> yeah, and we haven't even really gotten there. But uh, no. Yeah. That's, what, that's that's a much longer discussion. Yeah. <laughs> but basically, look, it's about good and evil. It's about the way that we want to naturally determine it for ourselves on our terms. And not necessarily in God's terms or what God intended. I would argue that it's also a lot about empathy. Because sure. if we try to think about the world purely in terms of good and evil, we lose sight on like trying to actually understand other people's motives and feelings and experiences and sensations. I think that's true. I think it's the thing about... is, once you put yourself in someone's shoes you start to really question your own views of good and evil. Of course. Of course. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's not as simple as it seems. And it's not as simple as it seems because I don't think we were ever uh, designed to make that kind of decision about what's good and evil uh, on, on solely our own thoughts yeah it's, i hear you I, I don't I hear think you. i don't think we were designed to do that i think at least maybe maybe that's wrong a wrong way to say it i just don't think we're capable of doing that at this point in our history maybe the first humans were according to the story because they're made in god's image but at some point we've we've lost that ability and maybe it's not that we lost the ability, but maybe we just lost the will to do so. Which is why Jesus comes into the picture and he he lives feel, according yeah. to that. I think I feel good with that statement. Yeah. I think because I don't want to I don't want to say that the issue is free will and personal choice and autonomy. No. It's not. It's not. I think yeah, I think you're right. The issue is not that. The issue is just our our like overwhelming desire to to choose things on our terms that benefit us solely yes yeah to benefit us benefit our group benefit our you know whatever a selfish definition of good yeah 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 i think that's the problem absolutely okay and, uh, and i think the talking snake was just something to i don't know i don't know about the talking snake <laughs> That's fine. We'll come to that later. But that's the point. <laughs> All cool. right. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, guys. Music provided by Ketza. Song titled Dusty Hills. Found at freemusicarchive.org. Again, you can follow us on Instagram at Skeptic Disciple. Follow the link in our bio for more information. Until next time, blessings, friends.